Hello, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. Hey, how's it going? Jane Belcastro. Hello. Matt Wagner. It's Wagner. And Jenner. And Jenner. Tonight, we'll be going back to the Raid series with The Raid 2, Gareth Evans' sequel to the breakout action film. Rama is back, and this time he's going undercover to weed out police corruption amongst two crime families, and ultimately to get revenge for the murder of his brother. Uh, but first, we're talking tropes. Uh, things that happen in movies over and over to the point where it's a joke. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger firing 28 shots from a revolver, or a montage to show physical growth of a character. So, everyone, what are some of your least favorite tropes? Oh, actually, actually, before we get into least favorite tropes, I do want to point out what the trope, what one of the most famous tropes in in mm-hmm. film, which is the MacGuffin. MacGuffin. Uh, I yeah. like MacGuffins. I do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. <laughs> this is kind of to set the the stage for what what a trope is for those who don't know. Um, coined by Alfred Hitchcock for the Thirty Nine Steps. Uh, and he had a quote uh, that he would give during interviews. He gave uh, an interview to Francois Truffaut where he said, it might be a Scottish name taken from a story about two men on a train. One man says, what's that package up there in the baggage rack? And the other answers, oh, that's a MacGuffin. The first one asks, what's a MacGuffin? Well, says the other, the other man says, it's an apparatus for trapping lions in the Scottish Highlands. The first man says, but there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the other one answers, well, then that's no MacGuffin. So you see that a MacGuffin is actually nothing at all. <laughs> the MacGuffin, okay. The MacGuffin is one of the earliest, uh, ex- uh, one of the most well-known examples of, of a trope. And I, I just wanted to bring attention to it before we get into it. Uh, what are some of your guys' least favorite tropes then? The one that really sticks with me, if if I may go first here, uh, particularly among a lot of more recent movies, but it's been a thing for a while, is a villain with a relatable aim and motivation who just decides to go full evil at the end, uh, presumably to prevent just sort of complete audience identification. We were, um, we were just talking about this. We were just talking mm-hmm. about this. Uh, this uh, reared its head most recently in The Batman, where for two-thirds of the movie, the Riddler is just kind of handling shit that other people should have handled before it it, it got so far that he had to handle it. Uh, but then he ended up jumping the shark. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Killmonger was right set. Uh, <laughs> was uh was uh, kind of lent into this one uh as well but uh that that's the one that jumps most of, uh, most of mine directly the other thing that kind of gets me and this is a consideration in a lot of superhero movies as well uh although it did i was looking for it a little bit in uh, in the raid 2 and felt reasonably satisfied that it wasn't abused in that regard is establishing somebody is unbelievably good at one particular thing and then they just forget to do, uh, to do that particular thing that they're extremely good at when the plot calls for it um for example uh well i was i was Afraid for a couple of moments uh, to jump way ahead in the raid two, mm-hmm. that Hammer Girl was not going to be quite as good with the hammers when it mm-hmm. came to the crunch as uh, as uh, she should have been. But no, she was actually still pretty solid with the hammers all the way yeah, through. Yeah, I've got, so I've got a points in that. <laughs> when we come to that, I have a, uh, one, an observation on that in particular. But go ahead. The one uh, that uh, the the one that I I can think of most directly uh, recently, and this was a movie that was full of just lousy and lousy and misused and abused tropes, uh, was the 355, where basically everybody who was good at anything forgot that they were good at the thing when somebody challenged them on it, uh, and also included you know people unironically saying we join forces. That's that's kind of another trope that uh, that. Uh, kind of cheeses me off but uh, no basically people who are good at a particular style of fighting and then completely forget to be good at that style of fighting when it uh, when it would be actually be useful or uh the uh, the cw's flash forgetting that he's a speedster when the plot demands it uh or yeah. the run- or the oh. running time of the episode demands it that, that happens with a lot of superheroes it happens a with a lot of superheroes i feel like the cw all... flash is really egregious on that i feel like that's all of star wars too i feel like they're they're mm-hmm. fucking jedi they can jedi their way through anything and they just don't unless it's time for a fight where they just yeah bang sticks mm-hmm. together 
What the second they had those Jedi run flash speed, that that's when they broke Jedi forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it that Luke jumped really high once, but I mean, that's not that big a deal. You had one really cool supernatural thing that Jedi could do, but the rest of it was a lot of, mm-hmm. of sword fighting. I don't know. <laughs> oh, a good example for the, the first one you mentioned, I think a good example of that one, I think, I've only seen it once, is Up. Uh, I remember relating to Peter O'Toole. It's Peter O'Toole, right? His... I... Th- I'm not sure. No, I think it was Christopher Plummer, wasn't it? I think it well, was as the old man? Plummer. Okay. But yeah, it was Peter O'Toole and Ratatouille. Not the old oh. man in the house. The old, the villain is oh, old man. I don't man. remember. The, the one on the island. Like he yeah. he was right. He got screwed over, and then from what I remember, then he goes full evil by the end. I, I just re- remember clearly thinking like, "Hey, this guy has a point." Oh and, yeah. Uh, he, he, they did him yeah. wrong. Um, and he actually, I think he actually dies mm. in the end, which is unusual for a Pixar villain. <laughs> but that, again, yeah. I've only seen it the one time. That makes the, you know. Speaking of villains, you know the entirely evil person. That is completely not developed, <clears throat> just maybe given a like a, a, a little reason. Oh, they were slighted a little bit, and then you know you get nothing beyond that, and that happens a lot, especially in like Disney uh, films. I mean, you know, good lord, <laughs> the villains are like completely evil. There's nothing good to them. You don't get, and, but then see, that's why I like Maleficent so mm-hmm. much because it like turned that completely around and gave you some background mm-hmm. and. You know, that's see, I, I was going to actually I was going to name that as a trope that I don't like, which I, is I, I don't re- I don't. Oh, you don't like the reworking. No, I don't. I don't like the revisionism that has been brought to bear on a lot of the Disney villains now that they've decided that um, Cruella, of all people, is yeah. now a sympathetic character because her mother was accidentally killed by Dalmatians, <laughs> um, which <laughs> is so lame. that was so and then they they develop her as this bad girl of fashion and the whole time i'm going yeah and this is the woman who wants to skin and sell dalmatian skin coats um in the 101 dalmatians movie in which she was just the the center of all evil and she gave the the original dalmatians to the um the couple. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. As, as revisions yeah. went, that one was so particularly that, did, that was radical. a little clunky. Uh, I, yeah, I, see, I, I, I think I would have liked Cruella a lot better if it hadn't been Cruella. Uh, yeah. If, if it yeah. hadn't been working yeah, I'll give it that. source material, I would go so far as to say I actually really liked that movie, given that there is absolutely no way that it could function as a prequel to the 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, absolutely. You, can't, yeah. you cannot humanize but, a dog killer. You can't do no, it. No, you can't. No. No, not, no. not well. I mean, and and on a similar point, I mean, Maleficent was basically a baby killer. Just mm. she took sixteen years to do it. <laughs> so um, by I really I love it's weird because I mix of Maleficent. I thought they did a really good job visually, and I not faulting Angelina Jolie in her acting in that at all. But the convolutions they had to go to to try and make her a wounded, sympathetic character, I thought was disingenuous mm. because it was com- it was in, in a way coming after the audience and saying that oh you thought she was bad well this same character you didn't know you didn't know her history about how the world had beaten her down beforehand it, and we're like no because it hadn't yeah, in the previous story we knew her backstory she was an evil fairy <laughs> And you don't yeah. fuck with evil fairies. It's, yeah, it's our but story, I mean, we but we got little... it wrong the first time. Yeah, but I don't feel like they. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't feel like they explained enough. But I don't remember it because I don't well, really love. Uh, and I'm not. This isn't an attack in any way. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the, aesthetics will differ. Yeah. Um, I will. I will say that this sort of this sort of combines the the point I just made with Andy's, in which the trope I really hate that I see more often than not is um, a film being sort of morally chicken shit Mm. in that it will present the conflict to you and it will attempt to present both sides and it will build up to this, this point, this crisis point in which our hero has to make a decision. And after the hero makes a decision, they are completely relieved of any culpability of anything bad that came from it. Um, the example for all the world that keeps coming back to me 
is actually in Hotel Transylvania 2, which is all about how Drax's grandson is reaching the age in which he might be a vampire or he might not be. And it goes through all these convolutions about how will Drac live with his son. Not, you know, he's, it's looking like he's not going to be a vampire. He's going to be just a normal human. And how will Drac live with this? And it's, there's so many metaphors you can pull, you know, shaming the family. There's, um, is, is your son gay? There's, you know, and weirdly, because they include Mel Brooks in there as the great-grandfather, they, they get a very strange Jewish angle going on in there <laughs> about Orthodox Judaism. And then true, they do. at the end, at the end, Dracula comes to accept that his son is a human. And at that moment, the son turns into a vampire. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, oh, good. Your kid's straight after all. You know, it's so. <laughs> it was just a phase. <laughs> it's so morally chicken shit. Yeah. In that they make the sacrifice and then the world rewards them and it's okay. It wasn't actually that in the end anyway. And that's, that's the trope I hate. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of a lot of books that are very popular. You know, that you have the, uh, the, the, the plain person, I I guess, I don't know why it made me think of this because it has nothing to do Hmm. with that, but you know, the (laughs) plain normal person, or maybe not normal, but maybe their, their weakness is their strength. You know what I'm saying? It, it happens a lot in urban fiction. And, mm. um, you know, it's, uh, you know, oh, no, they're uh, they don't have any magical powers. Well, it turns out they've got the best kind. And, you know, it's like, yeah, oh, come on. I that's, mean, that's one reason I liked in Encanto uh, that Mirabelle never had a gift. Right. Ever. Yeah. yeah, but she did. She yeah. did. She had a great gift. I mean, well, she was the glue. She yeah, was the glue, and there's that's that's to be applauded. Yeah, but she she didn't get the ability to throw fireballs or anything like I that. I do hope right. she got her own bedroom, though. I hope she didn't end up in that tatty little nursery mm. nursery for the rest of her life. <laughs> but other than that, you know, yeah, that was wonderful. I thought she was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, ta- tangled a lot. Tangled actually did some subversion on the uh, on some Disney tropes as well with their uh, their villain, where she did ha- she was a fully fleshed out villain. Uh, God, I've forgotten her name, but the the fake mother who uh, eventually Mother Gothel. Gothel. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love their depiction of a narcissistic. Uh, uh, relationship uh, or a, a child's relationship with a narcissistic parent in that film. They really explored that that idea and uh, took it to as far as they could and eventually she gets thrown off a building and turns into ash and that's great. <laughs> but, uh, a little bit yeah. of catharsis there for you. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, they, they portrayed the relationship in a very mature way and uh, I, I thought that was very in- interesting about that movie uh c- considering so many tropes come from disney in the first place uh yeah my, Cer- my certainly least, popularized if not originated my my least favorite being the death of the parent to motivate the child the dead, the dead yeah. mother story the dead mother story yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or more rarely the the dead father story, but usually the dead mother story. Yeah, Lion King, dead father. But I actually, I look at The Land Before Time as my ultimate example of the, the dead mother story, because that's the one where I was in the theater and said, when's the mother going to die? Really loudly. <laughs> oh. And then she fucking died like a scene later. Yeah. Well, what about Bambi? Which I don't think I've Or, or Dumbo. Yeah. yeah. Well, she doesn't die in Dumbo. Well, she doesn't yeah, die in Dumbo. It's taken from her, right? It's highly depressing. It's yeah. a it's a very depressing yeah. film, very dark film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even well, <laughs> I actually liked Bambi. I saw it for the first time in like thirty years recently, and largely from a technical aspect, it's some of the most beautiful car- uh, animal animation they ever yeah. did. It is gorgeous. Why do you- why do you suppose so many heroes are like in movies are orphans? Joseph Campbell. <laughs> See, I I think it's just the severing of of all 
all uh, connections that are holding back the main character so they can do whatever they want. And it yeah. all kind of stems from the same thing. Like, there's the trope of the male character being motivated by the rape or death of his wife or girlfriend. Yeah. or right. Yeah, and, and I think that's the same thing. I think that's the same mentality. Or his puppy. Or, yep. Yep. That was that, that kind of worked. It, <laughs> it did. did work. Well, they, they subverted bad. the trope. Yeah, they, they did. And when you subvert so, the trope, we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one that I don't. I don't hate really. I, I kind of want to see it played with. It's the uh, the plotting, slow moving killer, Mike Myers, Jason, whatever, teleporting mm -hmm. everywhere. I would love to see him. I would love to see those scenes where we just follow them and follow their route. And figure out how they get from place to place, which would be impossible because those movies well, aren't written for that to be plausible. But I would love so. to see like a Tucker and Dale versus Evil twist on it where the killer's just walking around like an idiot and the teenagers just run towards them. They just happen to find him wherever he goes and, and that's <laughs> that, how he, he gets to Do them. it. That movie exists. Yeah. Oh, does yes, it? Yes, it's called Rise, the Behind the Mask, The Rise of I've Leslie Vernon. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that. I yep. forgot about that. I love that movie. Mm, I love it good so much. I was, I was watching Nate. I'm like, I know what he's going yeah. to say. <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> because they de in that movie they demonstrate the the stalker walk and how he accomplishes it, which is he just is really good at predicting when people look behind them. So he's booking it right until they turn around, and then he shifts to the plotting <laughs> gate. <laughs> uh, so probably the best line in the whole film is, "You would not believe how much cardio." I have to do. <laughs> I was going to say, Jane, you haven't seen that one. We need to put that no. on the list. Yeah, yeah I haven't. I haven't seen that one. Well, you know, uh, another trope that, uh, that I particularly, we, I was discussing this with, with Jenner. All zombies want to eat your flesh or your brains. Yeah. And Jenner actually had a... Uh, a yeah, no, I'm... I, I've been uh, putting this, I mean, leaving aside voodoo zombies who, you know, don't get mm. enough credit uh, in their own right. right. I have been saying for years, and my impression is The Last of Us varied upon this a little bit, except they, you know, didn't do what I wanted. And why would you not do that? Uh, which is, why, do, wh why don't we just have zombies that are based on a variation of the cordyceps fungus and then proceed to do exactly what the cordyceps fungus makes ants do, which is swell out their butt, crawl to the top of a tree, and stick their ass out and stay there. <laughs> For, I guess I it know, wouldn't make good it, television. It's more of a short story idea yeah. than a feature idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something you can, you can string out for an hour and a half. Yeah. No, I, no, but I, yeah. I wish somebody would at least do it as a short story uh, or a short film or something. Like I'm trying to remember. But why, you know, why, why, are, why are zombies always trying to eat you? Why aren't they just, you know, sad, lumbering, gradually deteriorating chunks of can't do shit? <laughs> but that's that's the zombie movie that's never been made because that's the post-humanity zombie movie. Nobody yeah. nobody's ever made that movie where it's just a land of zombies and we see what Earth is like after the apocalypse has finally concluded. Believe it or not, believe it or not, they kind of did do that in some of the Marvel comics, not in a movie, but in the Marvel comics uh, when they did the the Marvel Dead, Marvel zombies. zombie world kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Marvel zombies. Thank you. They have. Essentially, the entire world has been converted, and there's just a handful of survivors running around. We don't really spend too much time with them, and it's kind of an occasion when one turns up, and everybody chases it down. And of course, the superheroes get to it first, because they're all zombies as well. I've also completely yeah. forgotten about Planet of the Apes, which is mm. essentially that. Yeah. Mm. What happened after the apocalypse? Well, apes took over. Yay! Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a list of uh, of uh, other tropes that I wrote down uh, that uh, I'd like to go through really quickly. Um, the grand gesture trope. I'm sure we all know that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. The say anything. <laughs> yeah. The say anything uh, boombox. Uh, yeah. It's okay. uh, they they make note of it in a satirical way. In uh, oh, what's that Christmas movie? With Bill Nighy, love, love, uh, love actually, love actually. That's oh, with it. Andrew Lincoln and the the, yeah. the, the paper signs or whatever. Yeah, Wait, that, no, that no, no, not about? that one. There's oh. a grand gesture from the kid when he's going to like find oh, his like girlfriend. Oh, pe penetrating airport security. Uh, right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right with a big swell of music. Yeah, they 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 kind of subverted that, but really just did it. 
<laughs> in, in Love Actually. But uh, there's the grand gesture. Uh, there's the trick ending, which was mastered by the usual suspects, but uh, has been driven into the ground by M. Night. <laughs> oh, just, just, having a, just having a twist to throw everything else into a different perspective. Right. That's... Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to take that as a trope. That's more like that's more like story design. Yeah, as but... much as anything else, I think yeah. that uh, I think it's a trope. Really right. started becoming a very very regular thing with the rise of slasher movies in the seventies, mm. uh, and sort of hit critical mass well, in the eighties. Ever like, since Carrie, the, the the whole the killer mm. is never dead thing. Um, but the the purpose yeah. then was to leave room for a sequel in case it made enough money. Whereas the purpose yeah, sometimes, now sometimes not, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean. They usually trace it back to Carrie with the the trick right. ending in which yeah. Carrie is actually dead and it's a dream sequence that shows her still being alive. I mean, De Palma's so, kind of a master of that sort of thing, anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it later became conveniently a way of making sure there was room for a sequel, but yeah. it wasn't always intended that way. For example, I don't think Bob Clark was ever particularly intending for there to be a sequel to Black Christmas, because good lord, how in the hell would you make a sequel to Black Christmas? They made a sequel to Silent um, Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, they should have never... Yeah, except they, they made should sequels. Have, they should have never actually made that in the first place, whereas Black Christmas was a great fucking movie. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? We got the montage uh, originating mm. from like Battleship Potemkin, which, yeah, it can be a brilliant film film tactic. It, it can be very well done, and uh, it, it especially was big in the 80s. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's the physical prowess thing. Like, Karate Kid had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Rocky. Rocky, Rocky. Rocky is kind of, is, was kind of the, uh, the gold standard on that one for, you know, several decades there. Yeah, yeah. Team America, World Police, <laughs> which actually took. Is that no, no? Yeah. It was South Park that took the Rocky, uh, the the kid, the uh, uh, Karate Kid song, and used it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I recently uh, rewatched Boogie Nights, which has a montage near the end set to a uh, 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 God. What's the Beach Boys song? God only knows near the end yeah. where they've all been yeah. after their porn careers, which was. You know, brilliant. The climactic brilliant. montage is, or, or the wrapping everything up montage, which uh, P.T. Anderson has actually used on on several occasions, is a very different animal from the uh, you know get from, training montage, get, getting from point F to point G montage. Like yeah, the, like, the mid movie montage. The nerds did a lot of that, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, the mid movie yeah. montage is a very different deal. And of course, Animal House probably being the most famous uh, example. Um, I can't actually remember oh, that. What, uh, really? The, uh, right at the end. Yeah. Well, no, the, that, that, oh, yeah, that we're talking about the, the, Well, the oh, what happened to yeah. the cards is a very different animal in its own. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily characterize that as a, a as a montage. That's just the uh, you know you know character wrap up mm-hmm. uh, for somebody that we aren't going to see anywhere else in the movie. Mm-hmm. I'd make it a montage. It's huh. a series of shots. Uh, I mean, yeah, technically, okay, I mean, t- yeah, I mean, for, in the absolute sense, yeah, I mean, all of this is a montage. If you were to <laughs> cut, cut this exchange out of this episode, yeah, and uh, so that the episode was, I mean, our uh, the episodes consist of two shots. Well, you know, congratulations, we're a montage. <laughs> yeah, well, well, no, films, films that do not have <laughs> films that do not have montages. Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, beyond <laughs> like the like infinite two man. minutes, nif- nifty little mm-hmm. Japanese movie I saw recently. Yeah. Uh, uh, what else we got? We got the uh, the ugly girl in glasses becomes beautiful when glasses come off. I, I feel like that's an entire. <laughs> genre. Yeah, I mean, we did one last we did one last yeah. week. This girl it's... looks like Natalie Wood her entire life. Yeah, sees so, herself yeah. in the mirror and is like, "Oh, I'm pretty." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah you're yeah, Natalie you Wood." Were. Particular you substrain were. of particularly teen, but not necessarily uh, rom-coms. Right. I mean, realistically, rom-coms are probably the subgenre of movies that rely most thoroughly on tropes most of the time, mostly because they're working against a very specific audience as their primary focus, even if that's not their only focus. Uh, the, the other one, actually, this was on my list of, uh, of uh, montages that can be a little bit annoying, but realistically, if they were used less, would slit the throats of about four-fifths of all existing romantic comedies, which is, just let the person explain themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. That, that yeah. bothers that, the yeah. shit that out of me. That third act misunderstanding me. that ends up moving the plot in... Like I say, about four out of five uh, romantic comedies and a lot of other movies besides. It's just if it's it, filler. Would you shut up and listen for a moment? You know, <laughs> um. just shut the fuck up. 
Uh, you're explaining this. <laughs> uh, here's here's one that's near and dear to my heart because uh, I hate it so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fat people constantly fart. Oh. Oh wow! Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's, that's a, gross out comedy of the age. That's a particularly <laughs> low class of comedy to be yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. You always have that fat character who who will give out a fart when they've fallen over or something like that, and that's become uh, that became really big in the eighties, which is yeah. like trope haven to me. Like, <laughs> they, like they, the, they, the, tro- the tropes yeah. have been around then or before. The tropes have been around since then, but that was where they ripened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice choice of words. Phrasing deliberate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we got a. Here's another one. Uh, somebody's saying he's right behind me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I know those can be fun, but yeah, it is overused. Overused at this yeah. point. It's no longer funny. There are a lot yeah. of quips like that that are no longer funny. Like hello. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to hear anybody say hello ever again. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I. I. It's done. It was done and, in the and, 90s. and of course, uh, there, there's uh, the the drinking game that I uh, uh, generated and realized very quickly how dangerous uh, I uh, what a dangerous tool I had put into the world right after the beginning of uh, of lockdown, which is the I get it drinking game, <laughs> uh, which is simply if you're watching television or movies, uh, and somebody says I get it, take a drink. If they say, I get it, and they do not, in fact, get it, take two drinks. And we have actually modified this to where we just mime it when they say it because, yeah, because we don't want to die. We don't want to die, exactly. And I think it was uh, Wagner who added on uh, uh, when, when somebody says, I got this, you finish your drink. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a particularly oh, bad uh-oh, one in comics. Wagner, we lost your audio, you. Matt. Yeah, that's a particularly bad one in comics as well. Yeah. The uh, I got I got this, we got this, whatever as the crisis turn moment has gotten now, really I, kind of out of hand. Now I do like and do think is a little bit underused is let me get this. That can, that that can be an interesting character moment. Uh, that I I would I would put that with the uh with Schwarzenegger's catchphrase i'll be back it's the the stronger yeah. character protecting a weaker character yeah no, I, I, or, or or even or, or even it's like you know this is speaking directly to my skill set uh but but not necessarily you know dismissing oh. the other person i don't know yeah, that that's a phrasing that i th- i think uh I accomplishes a similar now. thing but it isn't used uh nearly enough I'm- and i think is dramatically a little bit more interesting i mean i think a good example of that it's even not- though i don't like to talk about this artist anymore, but the end of Serenity when uh, River says, my turn. Yeah. And it's yeah. the first time she's, you know, mm-hmm. really taken agency over herself and she goes and destroys everybody. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I thought of when you just said the whole, let me get this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No. I've there got other, uh... the, the point is, there are other ways that that particular effect can be accomplished that are often more interesting for their characters. Mm-hmm. I've got one more for uh, for you guys. Uh, the old black inspiration for the young white main character. Oh, oh yeah, the oh, magical, the magical black man. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think, didn't, uh, I, I, I think Spike Lee coined that. He used a different word, but that was the first time I heard it when he was talking about oh, yeah. the legend of Bagger Vance. I, 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 never allow, I am. I have yeah. to allow. I am much more fond of the Negro who knows better. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> The, the one who leaves midway through the movie is like, this is not going to end or, well. Or like the, just gets the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. The it's dude like, you're go- from you're uh, go- Tropic Thunder. Yeah, or mm. you're going where? Good luck with that. <laughs> I still prefer it to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come on. Seriously. I have to allow a real-life weakness for those in the past, so, I mean, I, mm. it would be disingenuous of me to completely poo-poo that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, if you were really in that relationship, you'd be, you know, like, it's chaos. It's absolute <sighs> chaos. I, I, I yeah, think out of all I, of us, I might be the only one who got close to it with, uh, with yeah. this mint. Yeah. <laughs> who was... well, I don't know. J- Jane, you were wearing the stripy socks when we met. Well, that's that doesn't mean I didn't pay my bills and take care of myself, and I didn't like cause disasters everywhere I went and just laugh them off. And you know, somebody else will take care of that because I don't, you know. It's it's an infantilizing trope. It's, yeah, it's Phoebe from Friends. Yeah. 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 I, I'm yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a level of destructive bimbonus. I mean, by they're destroying, and I well, can understand why it works in some movies. You know, um, where where the woman is like super chaotic and kind of tears down the the straight laced guy and gets him to kind of live his own life, live his life better. Something but, you wild. Know, come on, something he'd wild, be taking. Just thinking. Yeah, there are other ones too. Granted, um, that was something wild is a movie about imminent physical peril from moment <laughs> to moment. So. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the that thing one... about the manic pixie dream girl that I that I really dislike is that it makes light of mm. mental health issues, because that's really Ew. the main problem with the manic pixie dream girl is that she usually has mental health issues that they're playing for laughs. It's either I don't bi- know. bipolar you... or borderline per- uh, personality disorder. Exactly. Yeah, okay, that I can I never even actually connected that. I was more thinking it was just like somebody who was, well, let's go ahead and say so narcissistic that they can't imagine that, you know, somebody wouldn't, you know, clean up their mess for them. <laughs> because they're cute. <laughs> well, I think it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think 500 Days of Summer sort of turned yeah. it on its head by revealing at the end that she actually sucks. Yeah. Like, at, the oh, end, yeah. at the end, it's like fuck this girl, and then I don't, I don't remember how it ends. I think he I think he doesn't end up with her. No, I think he no, meets no, he, no he, he meets another girl named Autumn, I believe, at the very end. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of like wow. Isn't it the same director who did Spider Man's hand coming out of his yeah uh, his Mark web? Webb. Yep. He I think that's go, the movie that got him those al- jobs. Yeah. <laughs> he can go a little bit over the top on occasion. Mm-hmm. I don't know, after a while, I did kind of like uh, 500 Days of Summer, although seeing it right after a breakup, I did feel like an absolute man of steel that afternoon. <laughs> um, I, I do like the line, this is not a love story, it's a story about love. Mm. But, you know, that's just you know, sort of incidental to what we've been talking about. The yeah. only thing I remember about it is this, my stepson's friend from high school is in it. He's, he's <laughs> only lived, he's billed oh, as wow. the douche. <laughs> the douche. <laughs> Uh, he's on every television show, and he's got a Disney Channel show. I can't remember. Yeah, he's been like called. eight different thugs yeah. on Law and Order. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All uh, right. the, the other thing I remember in, from that from that movie was the uh, um, the Hall and Oates uh, montage uh, with uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's the thing I, that particularly sticks to me. Yeah. We anyway. have a good montage. Okay. All right. Well, why don't why don't we take our break there? Uh, we will be right back. back uh next up we'll be talking about the raid 2 gareth evans follow-up to the raid redemption in it rama is back after his brother is murdered by gangsters to bring the culprits to justice rama must go undercover with the criminal syndicates of jakarta uh this was on my pile uh who else hadn't seen it it was on my pile it was on uh it was on mine it was uh, no i'd seen it, it was before kind of on mine because you know we we all loved the raid when we did it for the other episode and oh, yeah. I've, I've been wanting yeah. to do it and I just went ahead and watched it on my own a couple of weeks ago. So mm. then I watched it again this past week. Yeah. So all right. It's a, it's super rare for me, but when the I actually saw this one come out on DVD, I actually jumped on it and got it off my pile quickly, which is not something that happens very often. So, but uh, I I figured I'd I'd seen the raid, wanted to see the follow up. So how how did everybody feel about the brother just buying it before the credits? Uh. <laughs> I ha- I had a moment of we're going to talk about Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. going to come up. That crossed yeah. my mind. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, granted nobody had the level of affection for Andy from uh, from the Raid Redemption that uh, anyone had for uh uh Hicks and Newt, Newt. from uh, from Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh that being said, it is a strong motivation to bring Rama back in, so to speak. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Granted, yeah. this movie ends up going a lot of places that I didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how, how much more scope it was going to have in comparison to its predecessor. Because that was like one day, right? Right? The raid would took a place it was over probably, one day. It was almost real time, practically. Yeah. 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 A couple hours. A couple hours. And this it, spans, this, what, four years? Uh, at least at three. At least three, yeah. He's at in prison three, for two yeah. years. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't linear either, which always drives me a little crazy. But that's all right. Oh, yeah, right they, were, out. I, I they did didn't get lean on that a couple of times. Yeah. Just, no, yeah, at the beginning, the I was like, movie, "Where? Yeah. What? Where? What? What?" And then I got it. And, but at yeah. the same I mean, time, after, the, after the, he's in prison, everything straightens out. Now, of course, reading up on the background of this is more or less this was the screenplay that uh, Evans had wanted to make originally, but then he ended up kind of doing something much more scaled back that ended up becoming The Raid, and then he just readapted uh, the screenplay that he had originally written uh, for this when he ended up getting the larger scope and budget and, uh, and resources for it. And it is a big, big frickin' movie. Uh, I've got to... It did not disappoint. Gigantic, I've got to yeah. say, it, it actually... I'm, I'm still... I've gotten to the point where I'm tired of two and a half hour movies. I just think they're too long. It was just I, too long for me. I agree. It, and I, I will say also, was. right off the bat, like the violence in this was a bit much for me. And I usually don't have a problem no. with violence. I don't remember the first one being quite this gruesome. Um, uh, really? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that. There were uh, definitely some visceral effects in the first one that uh, this one kind of paled against uh, here and there. This one, however, just made up for it with sheer quantity of grievous bodily harm. Well, and <laughs> well, quality. A... I mean, we kept going. Yeah. How did they do that? How is that person exactly. actually I'm watching this still movie, alive? I'm... Yeah, exactly. I, and not, not how are these characters still alive. It's how are these actors, how are these stuntmen still alive? It's yeah, a lot stunning. of long I'll, takes. With I'll tell you how they effects. did it. They shot it at like twenty-two to twenty frames per second. Yes, mm. they did. I saw that. Yeah, and it makes so... everything look faster and more brutal. That's what happens yeah. when you film at that frame rate. But the effects, I mean, uh, when uh, well, when one at the end where when one um, character gets his head blown off, literally, yes, that was it. How? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't do that. They, they, I did. It, I saw they, no indication. They did describe how they did. That. Did, can definitely That's a pretty a few, simple effect. Thought, yeah. can definitely it, see a few digital seams here. I and didn't there, see but... any seam. It was nuts. I but counted. Then again, I guess you know Nate would probably know better than me. So. I did. I, I have to admit, I deconstructed this film physically a lot mm-hmm. because uh, a couple of the effects were good enough that I was like, "How did they do that? And how would I have done yeah. it?" But the shotgun blast to the face is just. Uh, Simple cut with a composite mask. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, you you did that to so, my head once. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious, Nate. Uh, during the in particular during the uh, jail riot scene, mm. what was your impression of that scene? As be, how many cuts would you have, have guessed went through there? Oh, it was during the the majority of the fight. <laughs> I'd say for the for the for the entire fight, there must have been a like. God, two hundred cuts. Okay, it's it's not it that much. One, most um, of it was designed as one single fluid camera. Yeah, the single fluid but camera the cuts, movement. But there are cuts. There are cuts. There are cuts. I I listened to the commentary track on this one, and the director was actually calling out the cuts at each one, and it's where you would expect, oh, cool. you know, a body yeah. gets thrown past the camera, so it provides a momentary block, so <laughs> so they could put light. the digital in there to mm-hmm. cut to the next take. I, I, I want to uh, know how. I, I, but know how... I thought it was very well done. I'm not. Uh, I'm. I'm not a particularly knowledgeable action film fan. I like them. I don't know martial arts that well, um, and I loved sort of displays like this. But it's it impressed the hell out of me being mm-hmm. something of a novice in the field. See, I yeah. I had a problem with the prison fight scene. I I thought that it was a little bit sloppy mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Because visually, you can't really tell who's doing what to whom when you have yeah. that much all, mud that on much people. Mud, yeah. How how do yeah. they tell? How, how, how well, do they that know? Was the point of how it, do though. they tell each other apart? Because he's just you know someone's fighting, then someone comes up behind them. How does that person know who they're coming after? I really want to know how that person deal with dealt with most of their population being killed in one incident. <laughs> and who <laughs> and basically just just Rama and what's well, his name Uko Ucho being pretty Uko. much the only two. People Ucha. left alive at the end of it, it seemed. And apparently yeah. it didn't add anything well, to their pr- <laughs> prison sentences. So are, are, yeah. are, you know, catastrophic prison riots just, you know, par for the course in Indonesia? Kind of like, I don't know, political riots in Paris or what? <laughs> or just people walking around with yeah, weapons Rama's... in broad daylight, walking around with a machete, walking around with hammers. <laughs> just in yeah. broad yeah. daylight. No one seems to notice. It seems like the Wild West out there. It's crazy. 
<laughs> it's the wild well, east. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Sorry, sorry. Yep. No, sorry. that's fine. That's fine. Uh, God. <laughs> so I, I'm, I, I'm I, also curious on some of the plot points, uh, just because it took me a couple of viewings to figure out exactly what went down in some of the scenes. Did you know who it was that the the son character, the one who, who executes his father, when he okay. went to visit Bijou and was executing those people that Bijou brought out, did you realize who that was he was killing? They were people in part of the prison fight, right? Who came yeah. after him? Yes. That, that was the they, they were like the, was, uh, messing with they were the instigators of the prison gang. I didn't get that till the first time through. And did you follow the logic of the tattoo on the wrist that he saw there? Mm-hmm. That I followed. Yes, yeah. I did. I okay. got that. No, so, I didn't. Was it, I had was, to have that explained well, to me. Well, was it just <laughs> that he he was willing to sell out his own people? Is that was that the significance of that? Or Well, yes, and yeah. you know because he had him he had Uko slit the throat of those five right. guys. So he's willing to give up so, his own people. So But did you notice and this I thought was the, pretty good. Bijou was that, the one who tried to kill him in they, the first Yeah, but oh, they did okay. not they did not um Say a word as he was cutting their throats. I, I did mean, think that was you odd. normally be like, screw yeah. No, it's because they were doing it. They knew why they were being sacrificed. Mm-hmm. They probably were mm-hmm. getting something out of it for their families or something like that. I mean, they knew it. They were good little soldiers lining up to die for mm-hmm. their boss's cause. That, that was crazy. Yeah, I, yeah. That, I, I, that'd I, have I to be that... a lot for the families to go yeah. through that for me. I know. I know that I've mentioned. Uh, Something like this, uh, uh, probably more on Bastards than here, but uh, I, just once I am waiting for, and I think it may have happened once or twice, but I've been waiting for ages for something where, you know, the one ill motherfucker, <laughs> like Iko Ueas in this movie, mm-hmm. is barreling through hundreds of goons, and they final get get to the final boss or the boss man in charge or what have you, and at which point, you know, is like, you know... You have killed 200 of my best goons. I give. I give. Please don't kill me, Mr. Superman. Well, that, that, that kind of did happen what in the, the first Raid Redemption. Yeah, yeah, that, that was how did. the first yeah. one ended. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did a lot of subversion of action movie tropes in, uh, in the first one, and I feel like they embellished some action movie tropes in the, in the second one. Yeah, no, I mean, that well, absolutely one... grueling fight at the end with the guy who's credited as, uh, I suppose, the assassin, I kept thinking he's going to be like, nah, screw this, and just leaving. But uh, no, he doesn't in this case. <laughs> no. I love seeing the uh, the other guy from the raid come back. Mad, Mad dog. dog. Mad Dog. Yeah. Mad Dog. As the Luca Brazzi so... of this film. <laughs> and what a great character, <laughs> yeah. too. I and mean, they, they even fleshed him out. I mean, it was... Really good. I, I, I loved it. I yeah, with only, with only admit, two scenes, yeah. I do well, have to admit that if if I were cutting this film down, those would be the first scenes to go. Oh, I made the I same comment. so much. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, it's, uh, yeah. it struck me at the time as kind of an unnecessary subplot, but it was, one, nice to see Mad Dog uh, from uh, the first movie get a little bit of more an elaborated role where he's actually able to show something on the order of uh, you know, tenderness mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and kind of sympathetic and empathetic qualities, and then of course mm-hmm. they they kill him with you know this movie's you know ultimate badass, uh, which I think may have been a statement of uh, of uh, one upping itself there. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're it felt like a little bit of a superfluous subplot. But uh, at the same time, I I in the absence of having to cut it, I'm glad it's there. Oh, I think we also re- needed to really villainize Uko. Other than the, the yeah. ca- other than the karaoke yeah. scene, you know, where yeah. he's an absolute monster, mm-hmm. just to show that he is this criminal mastermind who's willing to to sacrifice essentially family for yeah. what he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sacrifices and... literal family later, but before that, we kind of need to really understand what kind of person he is. Yeah, it's and, like I said, but Koso on the other hand. Sort of the, uh... Uh, Urcoso was sort of the Luca Brazzi of this film, except unlike you know Luca Brazzi and the Godfather, who gets talked up and then just you know gets stabbed in the th- in the hand and gets gets his throat slit. You know this guy ends up you know dissecting about two dozen guys before he finally gets uh, uh, yeah. Uh, his yeah yeah it the 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 point should be made that that Uko's plan was basically I know how we'll start a war between the gangs. Let's set up the Saint of Killers <laughs> yeah. and see if we. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's let's try to take out the person who could k- probably kill all of us given notice. And uh, yeah, maybe he's not the best at the long term planning here. <laughs> yeah. No, because well, I mean, he sent all those guys after Rama. What mm. the hell was the point of that? He was a nobody, a low level guy. Why did he send a thousand guys to to kill Rama during his crazy uh, scheme? Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know that guy. Let let's see what he's made of with every guy I know in prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still not quite particular scene, but I, the bathroom scene. I know what you're talking oh. about. I'm just. I'm not I mean, sure no, what led to that. I, oh. I want to yeah. make sure that's what we're talking about. Yeah. It also seemed like okay. they were rioting before they broke in. Like, what was happening outside the bathroom? Like, he was chilling in the bathroom. There's just all this noise oh. outside. That's not is even that, what yeah. I was talking about. Talking but about? I know, I, no, I, I was talking about the last, uh, when uh, when they all oh, come you... after him. When they're going after each individual uh, okay, guy. I thought, I thought you meant in the prison. Why was he one of the individual big shots that they're going after? Uh, I, I don't understand why they did Oh, when the, when the... Okay, that's another good question, because it was the police coming after him. Yeah. Was it the police attempting to pick him up, not knowing he was undercover? Or was that the criminals paying off the him? I, and I, I assumed it was the criminals I, paying off the cops. I assumed it was the latter after also. Him. Right. Which makes no sense, because he's a nobody. He's nothing. I mean, yeah. Uko says that. Says yeah, by, by nature, he's he supposed wasn't. to be nobody. Yeah. But also, he wasn't, uh, though, because, also, I mean, the, don't, some, didn't some of the corrupt cops know? No. no. Well, maybe, no. maybe he was trying to divert suspicion from himself, because this is the one guy he's actually buddy-buddy with, and if the, yeah. if the criminal gangs go after him as well, well, then obviously he couldn't have been behind it, and it all got futzed up by Rama actually surviving. The fact that we have to have a conversation to get to that theory is is a little off to me i think yeah, that's plotting. true there are a lot of convolutions to the plot and and, uh, and also not, not enough rama to, yeah. to be honest yeah. it was like oh. i think it was an well, hour... when we get rama oh my god I mean, well, do we, we do. get rama but i think it was around the hour <laughs> and a half mark where i realized we hadn't seen rama do any fighting outside of prison like mm-hmm. it was a lot of uh... yes we had the porn the porn den oh that's right oh you know what? I, I, there's a okay. detail i noticed in the porn den that's pretty disgusting <laughs> they they have the people assembling the, the DVDs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some of them had pictures of three women. Some of them had yeah. pictures of woman and dog. There was also <laughs> pictures. There were pictures of woman and horse too. Oh, I didn't, oh, see, the I horse. didn't see that. And of course, they're, they're they're kidnapping hitchhikers and having them be. Sodomized. No, I think they're yeah. just giving hitchhikers some money. Well, yeah, so, they're maybe paying them. The, maybe, maybe giving wait, them drugs. Wait, this is actually instead. this was actually apparently a specifically Indonesian joke. Um, be, again, listening to the commentary track, can't take any credit for this. But what they actually said there is that in Indonesia they have high occupancy vehicle lanes, and there are people who will just stand by the start of the high the HOV lanes, and you can pull over and get one into your car, and drive the length of the HOV section of the highway, and then give them a couple of bucks on the other end, and they go the other way. So they're not actually hitchhikers. They're just people there to beat the system. (laughs) And there's a particular term for that, and that's the term they used when they said, where did you get this guy? So, again, had to be explained to me, but... Yeah, no thanks. That really, that fleshed it up. No, that does. That makes that very, makes it well. I, that that is actually part, yeah. <laughs> a, a consideration with the film that we noticed, particularly just watching the standard English subtitles on the Blu-ray uh, in our case, which is the the movie is uh, is polyglot in a way that the English subtitles will in no way mm-hmm. let on. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with, yeah, with with Japanese, I think there's some Chinese mixed in there as well. Uh, uh, along with the uh, with the regular Indonesian, as well as that deeply, deeply accented yeah, moment of English. Uh, yeah, which but... I would suggest that if you are going to watch it and you're English, uh, go ahead and watch the uh, the hearing. What is it? The SDH SDH version, yeah. because hmm. you'll probably get a lot more detail. Uh, it, it's a it's a deeply convoluted plot, but uh, the action of the movie is. An absolute endurance test for those mm. who don't really dig this sort of thing. But uh, I- I- even the ge- I- even then, just the the, the fight sequences in, in this had, you know, Jane and me giving uh, giving each other the proverbial bruised forearm for pretty much the entire <laughs> picture. Uh, when it, whenever anything was going to, ba- uh, and we always we had the, that moment of, 
they're gonna have a car fight. They're gonna have a car fight. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I, oh I, my god, the car fight. The car yeah. fight. <laughs> I, I did miss the con- like the, the confined, you know, environs of the first one. I mean, I like this movie, but I did miss mm-hmm. you know how claustrophobic it was and how self-contained it was. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little sprawling. This was a lot more time. expansive. As, as I say, it was leaning on kind of tropes from things like The Godfather. There's a little bit of Scarface. The Departed mixed mm-hmm. in there. Um, oh, I was going to say, in, yeah. I was going to say Infernal Affairs specifically because it well, feels okay, yeah, almost yeah. exactly yeah. like right. Infernal but, Affairs. But was there was there much tension with Rama almost being caught? There, I felt like there wasn't, which should Not have been really. a very sh- briefly should have been a very big, briefly. with a story like this. This should be a big part of it, but it like pretty much wasn't at all. Especially, I mean, consider he was not involved in a lot of the plot. And well, how about that it. wife? <laughs> yeah. She was in the movie for, like, two scenes. <laughs> Let's just get her out of the way. There, no there, 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 there is so oh. much... Uh, you're, you're, the, the, they bought the plot in bulk. Uh, but, but basically all of the characters who are actually participating in the main plot of the thing are so completely wrapped up in their own affairs that there isn't really room for, you know... Uh, Rama, uh, uh, you know whether Rama's going to get caught. He's not. Uh, whether he's going to get ba- get back to his wife, maybe. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Rama's, like Rama's that... home life is is completely backburnered. Well, that yeah. in the well, I'm kind of glad of that. I'm glad of that because the only way they we could have gotten more of the wife in there was if she became involved in the yeah, plot, yeah. which means the all. criminals yeah. find out. And I I didn't want that. I don't either. think I wanted that one either. That would, I just that would, I that saw would be the devil. Too far. <laughs> I think they could have just not had the wife in the movie. Well, then the argument... Right, just mention, just mention I... it, that his family is safe or whatever and just kind of gloss over that. Is that yeah, I wanted her in there just for like yeah. that second for, of him missing her, of him um, missing his child growing up. I mean, you know, three years. Well, all they That's have to dedication. do is... You have they... to have some sort of feeling of dedication. Yeah, you show him looking at the fo- cell phone. You show him looking at the, the name and the number, about to call it, and he's like well, you... tense and sad, and then he just ends call and he goes on. You're and the you one that wanted the same, it. The same but you're thing the, out You're of the it. one that wanted him to be worried about him getting caught, and no, I'm that not. was to me. That was that moment where I was I like, that was "Oh crap!" Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I, I wanted um, more of that 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 departed sort of tension with with will they or won't they? I uh, thought there was plenty of tension with that scene and with the bug. Um, there was and the him bug. being stripped down. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, I thought there was plenty of that tension. So, <laughs> old man, look at your balls. You know? well, I mean, speaking, I, I do, I do want to talk about the old man, Bangoon, Bangun, or whatever. Yeah, that guy, that yeah. guy was a. That, that actor was amazing, and uh, uh-huh. that, that that character, like he's he's almost like um. I remember Roger Ebert saying about uh, Vito Corleone, the Godfather. You never see him do anything objectionable. Mm-hmm. He just seems like a gentleman. You don't think about the crazy crimes that he's behind. This man, the, the that father made me think of that. He's he seems wise, and he wants to be a peacemaker at every turn. And you just forget that he's the head of this criminal enterprise, and you mm-hmm. kind of root for him. And uh, yeah, when, when he goes and down, you forget the, that. And then he beats the ever-loving shit out of his son, and gets which shot he deserves. Mess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The son, yeah. yeah, he totally deserves that. Yeah, the son, the yeah. son's a hot mess. Yeah, um, he, yeah. He, he's an interesting character just because he plans things so poorly while convincing himself that he's a complete criminal mastermind. Yeah, and he is an so handsome. Man. Oh, he's so yeah. Handsome. No, I, I have to allow oh. his haircut and 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 style was. Frigging spectacular! Yeah. Well, and it's, it I did mean, help us keep cheekbones. Uto's demi pompadour was almost a character in the movie in its mm. own. That right. dude's <laughs> that dude's whole facial structure is hot. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then his flawless English out of nowhere that that really yeah. surprised yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That it. caught me off guard. I love. He it. totally well, went into like yeah. he, he went to like bro English like. Right out, of, right out of nowhere. <laughs> of no, it, it, of course, he did. It, it is a gorgeous actor giving a brilliant performance as somebody who is a complete waste of a suit. <laughs> he was, he was actually my favorite character because he, he was given yeah. the most to do. I think. Yes. Uh, Not Hammer Girl. Okay, Hammer Girl. Hammer Girl. Hammer Girl's Hammer Girl's our favorite character. Did you see, I love uh, them. They're like the Lock, sh- Shock, and 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 Barrel. <laughs> Did that you ever see uh, uh, Sharkskin Man and Peach Hip Girl? Ages no, ago. No. With you, I believe. Yeah, movie I love, but it has this uh, particular 
uh, trope that is apparent in martial arts films where you have badass characters who look badass mm-hmm. and that's it. They show up for one scene, they look badass, they do a badass thing, they show up for another scene, they look badass, and they do a badass thing, and then they get killed off. Yeah, I mean, they're literally not characters. They don't have any, we don't know anything I, about I them. I would actually object to that. There's, uh, there's a couple of very small bits in the in the film i mean i honestly bringing her up as a favorite character was was a joke uh because obviously there are much more well-developed characters in there but i thought they did pull just a little bit to give her some characterization her with her presumably brother baseball bat Mm -hmm. and the the key point (laughs) yeah between the the spinning the coin on the countertop but the the real key moment was when they exit to go to their their last fight, and she is deaf mute and doesn't realize they're being called. And she gets her her brother just grabs her and she has she reaches back for the hammers yeah. on the table in such a oh 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 my stuff kind of thing. <laughs> and it actually was in I intended, and I felt did a good job of giving her an almost childlike nature in that moment. And showing that this these two have each other and no one else, and they come from some sort of an environment where they only ever had each other, and that to me gave them more characterization than you. Badass looking character who does something badass and then is is eliminated. So yeah, I thought no, there was I, at I least a fainting that. move that. towards that kind of characterization. See, I, abs- absent the greater context, I think that Bijou's team is interesting just because he mm-hmm. is using a bunch of you know weirdo misfits as mm-hmm. uh, as, a, a, as his go-to guys. Basically, you got a bunch of you know, you know standard-issue gangsters uh, making moves against each other, and in the meantime, there's an anime gangster lurking on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. With an ang- anime gangsters team. I got saying. No, it felt uh, it felt a little uh, Kill Bill to me with Gogo. Yeah, Gogo. Uh, yeah, I didn't like. Do you know what it actually reminds you. Know, <laughs> but I didn't either. Nate, uh, this is for Nate. You know what this reminded me of? Batgirl and or not Batgirl, Hammer Girl and uh, Baseball Bat. Hmm. <clears throat> it reminded me of Elden Ring, where you <laughs> fight these bosses individually, and they're like so hard, and then later the game just throws <laughs> them together, and you yeah. fight them both simultaneously. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I mean, granted, Rama. Is, it's a total Ra- boss. Yeah, granted. I'm still wondering what would have happened if somebody had actually given Bat Boy his ball back. He might have just <laughs> been too. like, "Thank you." Yeah, he I was just quite done the same thing. He would have just hit it again. Granted, Rama okay. didn't have to fight them individually first, but yeah. Oh, I, and the the interesting thing I thought about their fight, which I thought was, I mean, I'm sure this is just 101 in action films, but. Keeping in mind the weapons they were wielding and the damage they did with them previously, the fact that when Rama gets there, they only connect with him like twice because mm-hmm. she comes after him with those hammers and whiffs every single time. And I'm like, it's good because if she had full bore hit him in any way with one of those hammers, I would not have believed he right. could have gone on to the rest of the movie. Well, yeah. actually, to, and, to, uh, to, to lean back into a trope that we were flirting with right after the end of the last segment, uh, you know, let's talk about grievous bodily harm in movies. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. talk yeah. about how much a human body can actually take versus how much a human body can take in a movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the longstanding adjunct of you know, Tony Stark's legs would have been broken. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, I, I'm amazed that our hero can still walk after one fight in this movie, and I don't mean like you know, like like you know, walk out of the scene. I mean like walk ever again. Well, he's mostly yeah. Um, well, like he with got the his kid- chest opened up. I mean, uh, the amount of blood yeah. that came out of him during the the fight the, the, with the, the, uh, the big fight? badass. Yeah, yeah, these the, people just got mad clotting agent. That's he all. He basically I got that tendon behind his knee, you know, between the calf and the knee cut. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he could still walk. I mean, he lived blade. a little. Gonna go with he adrenaline a is a hell of a drug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were, there... Well, the man is after the first movie. The man is basically made of scar tissue. So <laughs> I guess I guess there were at least three points during the kitchen fight where I thought it was over because I'm like, oh, the 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 bad guy, he's he's done. But then he just gets up and they keep on going, and the amount of times he slashed him with his own weapon, mm-hmm. like, and you see how much blood is on the floor by the end of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's it's unreal. Mm-hmm. Like, not, it, like I said, it, yeah, it, it got a bit much to me at a, after a certain point. Like it was just mm-hmm. hard to stomach. 
I, I agree. Do, I do have yeah. to love the the prominent set cleaner credit in the closing credits. <laughs> <laughs> it was like two different companies. Said, Heroes. <laughs> it, was like, it was like two different companies that they yeah. had to set cleaners. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, it it it, it is worth uh, worth emphasizing that uh, I mean, aside from an absolute engine of both taking and dishing out uh, damage, uh, Eco Oasis is just absolutely amazing mm-hmm. uh, as a, a, as a, a a charisma and a physical mm-hmm. presence uh, in this picture, and it's uh, it... and worth seeing for every second he's on screen just to see. Now what's going to happen? My, the guy's reflexes, even if they are accelerating the film, have got to be absolutely freaking astonishing. Yeah, and it's also not, this is not the standard karate that we see in most films either. This is all Indonesian silat, um, which is a very, from my little knowledge of it, and looks completely different than you see anywhere else. There's a whole lot of, like, joint hooking and and a lot of very sinuous movement involved in a lot of these as well as extremely rapid strikes and so it absolutely amazing that uh, that evans is actually credited as the fight choreographer in this this is an martial arts movie is that had really? fight choreography by a welshman it, it really? <laughs> oh wow well yeah. I, I knew the main actor was credited as well it was, it was his... yeah, yeah he was apparently at school so the Gareth would give general parameters, he said, and then he would say, well, now I have to go do something important, and he'd go into his trailer and play Candy Crush for 20 minutes, and then come back out and see what they'd made up. And so, he would help, but I think I think he, he very readily gives credit where credit is due to the creativity of the various scenes and the different moves and things like that. Although, yeah, I, mean, I have to credit this cinematography in this, too, as... The, there were several points where it mimicked the action that I thought was, I to me, look, not a filmmaker, but yeah. especially well, the bit in the porn den where he's running down the table and then went sideways through the mirror and the camera just shifted over and fell with him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there, there, there are a lot of camera movements in mm-hmm. uh, this, particularly the car, during, during the car the, chase. During the car chase, where we were thinking, "How in the hell did they pull that they off?" Start, they start in the front car and go all the way to the back car, and, and I know how they the did driver. that. Crazy I know how cool. they did that. How Do you want to know? Do that? Yes, please. Okay, they had a camera crew truck that was running apace with the first car. Carrying the camera, and they carried it to the second car, and they passed it in, and the second cameraman was dressed as the seat. So he was actually wearing the seat, and then he reached up and carried the camera past his own head, which was the headrest, into the back seat, passed it out out that window to a third cameraman who was lying on a track bolted to the side of the car and just reached up to steady the camera as it came out the window. Neat. Wow. wow. So, yeah, <laughs> life is cheap there. It, yeah. As much as anything else, how perilous this was, not only for the people in front of the camera, but, but the, uh, presumably the people behind the camera. Uh, just Maybe even mm-hmm. more so for yeah, the people see, behind. You know, that's, I mean, apparently they were going about 60 kilometers an hour at yeah. the time. So. That story yeah. actually reminds me a lot of, of the old Hong Kong action films in the 80s. That, uh, mm-hmm. that they, 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 their ability to get certain shots that you just couldn't get in the U.S. because of, you know, they could die. Yeah. Yeah. Like old school, like 80s Jackie Chan movies. Yeah, like yeah. Jackie Chan Dragons finishing forever. a movie like with a Buster cast Keaton on his movies. leg that looks yeah. like a shoe. <laughs> like, we're going to drop a building on you, but if you stand right here, we'll be fine. The numbers add up. <laughs> uh, well, does anybody have any final thoughts they want to share on the raid before we head out? I was not disappointed. Huh. No, um, I, I really like this. I didn't feel the, the length as, as much as some of y'all did. Yeah, no. I guess I didn't either, I, really. I, I liked it. I prefer the first one still. Yeah. The first I, I one actually, is definitely yeah. more Cracker Jack. I that liked, linear I like even Even if the plot borders on the compre- incomprehensible, uh, particularly for well people who don't actually speak the language, uh, and there is so much more plot, the action sequences in this are... 
absolutely jaw-droppingly astonishing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big camera work. Yeah, the camera work is amazing. The fighting is amazing. This is not a movie to go into lightly. Uh, There's a lot more of it than I realized uh, at at first. Mm -hmm. Somebody expecting a more tight and focused experience like uh, like The Raid is... Well, again, it's a, a metaphor that I keep coming back to a lot lately is uh, it's uh, sort of the uh, the Terminator 2 to the first one's Terminator. Mm. Uh, it, it's a lot more expansive. It's uh, or, or possibly aliens to the first one's alien. It's it, it, it's a lot more expansive. It has covers a lot more ground, uh, both uh, sort of literally and figuratively, but. Also, it's two I and think a half imp- hours. It's two and a half yeah. hours. I think yeah. it improves on uh, some of the already considerable strengths of the first mm. one. Uh, it, it is not Cracker Jack. It is the furthest fucking thing from Cracker Jack. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with uh, I'm with Shane mm. on uh, on this one. I liked the first one as I thought the first one was an absolutely brilliant piece of filmmaking that subverted not only action films, but filmmaking in general with the way it was shot. It it took some risks that I'd never seen before and I loved it, but this one felt a little more by the numbers to me. Mm. And I thought that it was overly indulgent in its, in its runtime. The action scenes were very good. The acting was very good. The editing was very good. It was a fine film and I don't dislike it. I just think it, it, it was overly indulgent. Mm. I did like the first one better, straight up, but this is definitely worth a watch. Though. Like, I haven't seen the original in years, like I say, so I, I can't even comment. I think I actually have to go with this one, although I don't know is that there's any particularly relatively objective reason why. Um, you like gore. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. It's like I say, you want, you, you want to make me nervous, show me a farce. Uh, you, want, you want me relaxed, show me something where people are getting cut to pieces. <laughs> Virtually, not literally. Real You're blood makes me squeam. Anyway. Probably in a coma by now after watching that. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't, why don't we call it for uh, this week there? Uh, we're going to, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on wow. Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile. You can go to YouTube under Punch Bunny. You'll find what you'll find us there. Uh, or you can visit our website, what's on the pile.com. Please come and, and say hi. Just say hi. I know we have the fans. I see the numbers. I know you're out there. <laughs> say hi on Twitter. Say hi on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Do we'll you have an idea? Email. Yeah. We'll read email. Suggest movies you want us to to yap oh, about. Yes, suggest yep. movies. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Come, come about. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us. Good night. <laughs>